I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. I heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Oh, God! Oh, Jesus We are rolling. It's post-mortem. We're doing it again, boys. For Woo! some reason, we keep doing it. And the somebody's boys. listening. The Ugh. boys are back in town. Boys are back in town. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Roast Mortem, the fucking show. I'm yeah. Tom. I'm one of the boys. I'm Travis. When they hear, you hear that song, that's about me. I'm one of the boys. And here's my other boy. Uh-huh. I will be your Cody for this evening. Travis's alternate boy. Mike's not here tonight because it's snowing no. over here out on Long Island. Sorry for cursing at, at the top, man. I got to stop doing that. That's not even fun. You're not a YouTuber. It's fine. Yeah, but it's not about that. It's, you know, sometimes I want to save my Fs. You know, I want to save them. I don't mm. want to splurge right at the top. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's just what happens, everyone. No, I hope no, normalize not- F-bombs. Come on. Right. So I hope everyone's doing all right out there. Um, I was going to say, is Michael sledding in the snow? Uh, yes, he has taken the wheels off his skateboard. He is going down hills. He is down, downhill in the, uh, uh, what do they call them down in Babylon? The, tr- the, the dump of Babylon. He has anyone go- told him to not have the yellow snow? I don't he- know. He, that guy's almost bulletproof, and I think it's because of the yellow snow. So I'm not going to say anything yet. Oh. Cody, how was your week, man? Oh, my God. Had quite the week, boys. Uh, over the last few episodes, you might have noticed my how was your week getting slightly more stressful, but uh, my family lost my dad the other day, so slight bummer, but we can uh, give him a toast and uh, keep making episodes. So, Amen. Hell yeah. Here's to dad unit. Cheers. Here's to Papa McCann. I'm sorry for your loss, Cody. Nah. Yeah, bub. But uh, yeah, good. you've been handling this well, on and off of recording. Thanks, Tom. Well, um, I got to say, uh, Travis, I do care about your week, but I kind of wanted to just possibly lighten the mood with my, um, not so much misfortune, but um, a, a story that can only be remedied by Bed Bath & Beyond, perhaps. Uh, I, oh, I no. mean, I was going to be offended because my weeds are always light and jovial, but I'm really excited to hear about what happened at Bed Bath & Beyond. Well, okay, so what happened? I wasn't at Bed Bath & Beyond, but um, here's what I did. I took the sheets off my bed, which were long due for a cleaning. Oh, yeah? And then I realized that the washing machine was occupied. Oh. And then I had a 12-hour day at work and totally forgot. And after my 12-hour day, I had to remake the bed with the crusty sheets which I don't think anyone's ever done before because oh, no. I didn't yeah, have any bad. other sheets. And I laid in filth for the next eight hours thinking, thinking about all the things that went wrong that day. Yeah, you can feel it on you. Yeah, so I, I am, um, I'm ready to roll. Let's put it this way. Oh, Tom, I'm just saying I would have just slept on just the mattress because I'm a champion. Eh, that's true. Um, speaking of champions, how was your week? 
my yeah. week. I don't know. I uh, I've been busy as well. I've been doing all the work, but I did have a chance last week when we were on the show. I showed the guys my little soupy boys. I got these little soup men, and so I ordered some more on the show. They're like these little soup toys because I'm an adult and I need toys. Yeah, so he's soup. one of those. Yeah, it's a soup, and it's got a little thing like a miso soup, and it's got a little tofu on the inside. So I ordered more. I was hoping I'd get the clam and shrimp one, but I didn't. You so don't even get I, to pick the one you get? No, it's a mystery thing. That's it's how like they a, get you to buy more. Right. Gotcha pawn shit. Yeah. You you are a sad man. So I opened my toys. Uh, I did a face mask. I did a uh, cooling face mask, and I opened oh. my toys. Oh, very cool. Very COVID conscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have a face mask and go out in public? Is that the same thing? No, I didn't have a face mask in public, dude. I have a face mask like beauty product, dude. It's good. Got these little bandit masks. Bandito. Banditos. <laughs> I like that. So my face feels all refreshed. Like someone just cream pied my face. You do look like a shiny boy. <laughs> He's radiant. He <laughs> certainly is glowing. Um, this is my week. Masking and souping. All right. Very nice. Okay, so with that, uh, Travis, I heard through um, the Skype grape that you... I've done the research for this episode. Is that correct? That is correct. Tonight, we are not only roasting the non-assuming man named William Adams, but we are roasting an entire group of people. Hasty, neck-bearded, white folk known as the Weeaboo. This is going to hurt. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm here. What are we doing? Right, so you might notice that this is part one. This guy who sounds really boring because his name is William Adams. Nothing against anyone named William Adams. It's just uh-huh. a very boring name. Get a better name. This guy is going to take us on a trip to when the Europeans first met the Japanese. Now, so for oh. all you youngins out there, um, a weeaboo. Cody, what's a weeaboo? A weeaboo or a weeb is just a uh, Japanophile. Wow, I really popped that pee. Let's let's do that again, Cody. That's ah, okay. Japanophile. Japanophile. Yeah. Uh, so just a it, fan of uh, anime and hentai and uh, sushi. Okay. So I feel like I feel like the whole weeb thing has kind of undergone the same thing that a nerd has, right? Because nowadays, all these like hot girls in their early twenties and like teens or whatever, hot guys are wearing hentai shirts and big senpai energy and all this shit. It's, like, cool to be an otaku. But back when I was growing up, there was a special type of anime nerd that may or may not have accessed Dragon Moon X on their middle school tech room computers. That's and you, we were, isn't it? That's, that's you. Yeah, we were a that's little you. bit different. We were a little bit looked no, down No, don't upon. say we. Don't say we. That's you. <laughs> that's you. No, that's, that's we. You. I, I didn't do that. I accessed it over my dial-up internet at home. Used hide cookies. Okay. Why I gotta ask? You can you cannot answer. Feel free to not answer. Why are there so many dairy based products centered around weeb culture? What do you mean? Oh, milk, big large milkums. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> large milkums. It's very important. It's a very large important milkums, thing yeah. in culture. Um, oh, and we're going to talk about some large milkums in large a little milkums. bit. It's part of the story. Okay, Tom, stop jumping ahead. <laughs> I just I'm history <laughs> predicting. Yeah, and uh. I I I can't help but scroll anywhere on the internet and see a large titum 
that happens to be animated with a certain brush style. It's good. So an interesting thing about Western culture is we have always been weebs. Right from the beginning. Before we even weren't sure if there was an island called Japan, we were weaving out about Japan. That's weird and highly unbelievable. I'm going to tell you about it, dude. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to tell it. Mm. What? So our subject, William Adams, was the first Englishman to ever step foot on the shores of Japan. Um. Uh, the well, sorry, what did I write here? Jesus Christ. Okay, so he was the first William, uh, the first English weeb, that is. Um, and unlike your average degenerate fan, uh, that exclusively watches English dubbed anime and jazzes up his top ramen, uh, William Adams accepted the Japanese culture and became one with it. Okay, full blown weeb. Question Do the Japs have tea time. Oh my God! He just <laughs> dropped it right there. Okay. Wait, is that Get actually offensive? That's a that's a weird one. All right. I'll, well, I mean, I'm not trying to be offensive. I was trying to be no, funny. No, no, it, it's no, no. You know, here here's the confusion. I'll apologize for Tom. Tom is something called Jewish. When we shorten the word Jewish to Jew, that's just convenient for Tom. Yeah, it's fine. But when we have something like Japanese and then we shorten it to the first syllable, that, that, that doesn't have that quite the same uh, uh, synchronicity there. I'll just remember not to say it again. How's that? Deal, everyone? Okay, stick around. No, no, it, cherry popped. We're good. Moving forward. Right. Okay. So, in fact, our boy William Adams, this little gutter rat from Kent, England, was one of a handful of outsiders to ever become a samurai. Cool. Ooh. Yeah, you know, Tom Cruise did it, but I like that not even really, though. He's from L.A. It doesn't count. <laughs> so this is a really interesting story, like I said, about the West discovering Japan. And it's so interesting that I wanted to make it a two-parter. So I can really go in and dig into these hilarious interactions between Europeans and Japanese because it's super oh, funny. This is this is like just my family tree. I'm <laughs> I'm excited right now. It's not not exactly this, but it is just an internal and beloved struggle of Eastern and Western uh, jazz fusion. So please now, in the words of Pee Wee Herman, connect the dots. La 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 la. We'll get, we're going to do that. If this was about India, that would be racist, but it's not. <laughs> it's about Japan. Yes. So a big shout out goes to my main source, a book called Samurai Williams by Giles Milton. It's a very wow. fantastic book. You read, read the shit out of it. It's quick to read. It's got pictures in it, which I always like. I like looking at pictures. Yeah, pictures me too. a million ah. words. Mm-hmm. If it was up to me, Rose Mortem would just be a book of pictures. Yeah. We w- yeah. You wouldn't even I'm hear just, us. Yeah. I'm astounded like Samurai Williams isn't like a mumble rapper. You know, what I mean, that's exactly what comes to my mind yeah. when I hear the name Samurai Williams. It's just like, oh, mumble rapper. Yeah, that sounds good. Influencer? Mm-hmm. No, honest to goodness, Samurai Travis, go on. <laughs> so this is going to be a little bit different of an episode. We're going to get into our boy uh, William Adams uh, in a little bit, uh, but first we got to learn about how us sandwich-eating westerns encountered the extremely well-mannered tuna roll-eating folks in Japan. That's all normal. This checks out. Yeah. Okay. We're good so far. I'm comfortable. Yeah. So the first person, first Westerner 
to hear about Japan was none other than our boy Marco Polo. All right. Let me get up. Marco Polo. Yeah. I found you in the pool. I accidentally tagged you in the titty. I'm sorry. You. you... (laughs) I. All right. Never mind. You guys didn't do that when you were a kid. Oh, I tagged. Oops. I mean, I play with my sister, so I wasn't. I would just get out of the yeah. pool. Yeah, I would try yeah. to touch him. I just we have, have sisters, sis- you fucking weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> like when you play and you only have sisters, you every time you just leave the pool. <laughs> so in Marco Polo's travels to China in twelve in the twelve seventies, some Chinese dude was like, "Yo, there's a kingdom to the east called Japangu," and the Chinese guy was like, "Dude." You're going to want to go there because, in quotes, the people of Japango were white, civilized, and well-favored. He what does also that mean? Said, he also said that they were a furiously proud race that depended on no one. Okay. Okay. You said this weird word. What did the weird word start with? Well, well, a Japango or well-favored? Yeah, yeah. No, Japango. Is, is that a weird X word? Or is that a... Uh, what's the first word? How do you spell that? My, my, my word autism brain is curious. C H I P A N G U. Okay, thank you. So I guess it's like the Chinese are like, oh yeah, it's called Japango. Exactly like that. Man, man, this one is just asking for it. All right, well, continue. We're still here, apparently. We made it. You're still listening. To, to at least here. So Mark Marco Polo, the big old Italian exaggerator, because one day we'll roast him. He liked to exaggerate everything that he saw. He wrote that Japango. Uh, had uh, had endless quantities of gold, and that the even the emperor's roof, a dude that he had never met, was made out of gold. Dude never Marco Polo never went to Japan, but he's like, dude, there's tons of gold over there. Don't like this expression. Wow. You know, the streets are paved with gold that the immigrants thought when they came over here. You know, Ellis Island days didn't they? They were so economically flawed that they didn't realize that that would mean the yeah. gold was valueless. If you have so much of it, it's worth shit. I mean, I, I think that's just an Italian thing, right? Because you've got the Italians coming to New York and they're like, streets are made of gold. Whoa. And then you got you got Marco Polo who goes over to an island in the Caribbean. He's like, everything is gold. Whoa. All right. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. Okay. So he's got these. It's Marco just code for... We should invade this land. It seems very specific, though. You know, like the roof, the roof, the gutters also. Um, his He's got three brothers' pools, okay? Yeah, okay. All the pools, hot tubs made of gold. His brother builds them. His father sells them. You can't beat that combination. Maybe you can with a combination lunch platter. We don't know. Right. So one way to get English explorers very horny. Oh, yeah. And like fucking rock hard was to tell them telling that oh over there there's lots of gold and also the idea that this is a civilized land because we're talking about europeans where they like to call everyone uncivilized except for their one single village they live in right (laughs) it's a whole country of civilized people yeah Uh which is that is a pretty funny way to put it like yeah the next town over like syosset very uncivilized folk down there fuck Um, them it's like well but but imagine a whole country of civilized people well, just to be fair, uh, when we get into the when we get to Japan, the Japanese are the same way. They're like <laughs> everyone else is. The Chinese are uncivilized. Of well, course, if you, Europeans are uncivilized. If you think about it, like this is like the most 
alien matchup ever in history. One of at least I want to say. Oh yeah, because like this is the closest we'll ever get to like aliens. I feel like is just like this episode of like goddamn Adams. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, uh, you know, extra foreign, silky. <laughs> Smash it. Silky. <laughs> okay, so th- so here we go. The weeb fascina- fascination had started before they had even been there. This was the 13th century, and all of a sudden the Westerners were like, oh, gold. Civilized, wonderful people live over there. With gold. Don't forget the gold. 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 For centuries, mapmakers speculated on what Chapangu looked like. I mean, they, they had no fucking way to like go off of it. Even in fact, our dir- our dude Mercada, uh, Mercader, Mercator, 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 Mercator of the Mercator projection. That's like the world, the globe that we use all the time. Mm-hmm. Like when you see a map, that's the Mercator pro- projection. Mm-hmm. When he made his map in 1596, the, he drew Japan, and it kind of looks like a shrimp trying to suck his own dick. Yeah, yeah, but like the most no, the most nondescript squiggly. A yeah. map maker could muster. Yeah, I'd buy it. So, I mean, that's kind of going to show you how shitty maps were back then, because by 1569, when he did this map, Europeans had already made contact with Japanese. And uh, can you guys guess which nation was the first gaijin? First gaijin. It must have been the, the fucking Swedes, Norse, Vikings, fucks. What about you, Tom? Gaijin, I'm. I was thinking up there too, because um, those motherfuckers travel. Uh, so yeah, the Norse folks. Also, Gaijin, um, they totally missed that for Manscape. That company, <laughs> Gaijin, is way better. Oh yeah, Gaijin is a derogatory. I just said a racist slur. Oh, is that in what Japan, that is? Yeah, I, in I, Japan, I, in Japan, a Gaijin is anyone that's foreigner. But like, it, you say it in a bad way. Pale face. That's yeah. fine. I, I am a foreigner, so I can say it, technically. Right, so you guys say the Vikings. I mean, it's possible the Vikings may have gone that far. They did go everywhere, but we don't really have a, any evidence to suggest that. But the first European contact were the Portuguese. Oh, hey. Look oh, at that. that's a shame. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Very confused people. Yeah, well, they they were. Uh, so, in fifteen in fifteen forty four, three Portuguese men aboard a Chinese junk ship, which is a type of ship. I'm not calling their ship junk. The no. Chinese had junks. Uh, so, three Portuguese men were blown ashore by a typhoon to Japan, and thus Mario was born. Now, you oh might say, shit! You might say that uh, Mario was Italian. But I do have uh, a picture. I'm just gonna put it. I'm just gonna show you through the book. These. This is a woodblock drawing of what the Japanese thought the oh. Portuguese looked like. Okay, that's that's fair. That's actually exactly how I think they look. <laughs> Big ass mustaches, fat, um, yeah, puffy pants. Well, remember, you know, you got to keep in mind, John the Sixth from Portugal, he's a man who uh, fashioned pants made of chicken uh, or something along those lines. Uh, this yeah. runs in Portuguese blood. There's a reason that Brazil ran away from them. You know, those were the smart people. And they were like, getting out of here, getting off this island, going to go find yeah. a mountain. Okay. 
So the Portuguese man to claim to be uh, in charge of this ragtag group of three shipwrecked guys was a dude named Francisco Mendes Pinto. Uh, now, I, you know, he said he represented all Europeans, but these guys just kind of washed up there like Jersey Shore, like uh, condoms washing up on the Jersey Shore. Like, like, I found it. Oh, look, um, the Trenton there, jellyfish. Yeah, there were <laughs> were possible, possibly a few Europeans were in the area before 1544, like exploring like the South Pacific. Yeah, and it was possible that a few Europeans had landed in Japan, and it was just unrecorded. But this is the guy, Francisco Pinto, is the dude that's accredited being the first European there. Cool, good for him. Fancy. You know, he was so they're they're popping around. Southeast Asia or wherever, and and you know, going doing a little island hopping, getting spices from around the world, checking out the lady boys, having a good time, and uh, all of a sudden, one of them lands in Japan. And goes, well, this place is actually civilized. <laughs> Can we? Add this it? is racist on their end. Very, you know, not forward thinking. Rude. Yeah. So Pinto and his men, his shipwrecked men, two other guys, landed in Funai. Which was in the kingdom of Bungo, which ha- that's just great. You can't make that up. The kingdom of Bungo. <laughs> kingdom of Bungo sounds like a place, uh, like a trailer park that that someone opened up uh, with their with their their government money. Yeah, you know, the Bungo Bungo Zone got a trailer. Open up the kingdom of Bungo. Come on in. Admission is one natty ice. So um, they were they were escorted to meet the Lord of Bungo. And uh, these uh, smooth brains were quick to point out some obvious differences between their faces and the Japanese and their customs. Uh-oh. Yeah, so a, a subsequent Jesuit that uh, followed Pinto made this astute observation. While we pick our noses with our thumb or index finger, finger the Japanese use their little finger because their nostrils are t- so small. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's important. It's one of the first hope, things they have in the record books. I hope everyone at home wrote that down. It will be on the fucking test later. <laughs> wow. What other terrible ways did they quantify these people? Uh, so the Japanese also had their uh, opinion about these Portuguese guys. They found them absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Very, yeah. Um, they ate with their hands, which, you know. Oh. That doesn't fly in Japan. I mean, this was before like Europeans figured out utensils. Oh, like, you got stick. a chicken and you fucking ate that shit with your hands. And now look at, come on, little what? perspective here. Every Christmas, Japanese families clamoring over KFC, okay. like it's their fucking job. <laughs> you know what? It's delicious. The tables have turned. Is all I'm getting at. So they were obviously also very loud and obnoxious in Japan. It's you're supposed to be like. You know, quiet, like keep your emotions to yourself. And you have these Portuguese running around like, whoa, hey, I don't know what a Portuguese stereotype voice is. Exactly. Oh. Like, no, no, you got it. That's Keep going. pretty spot on. Oh, Danny DeVito. Yeah. But they're loud and obnoxious. The Japanese are like, whoa, dude, why are you shouting? And use indoor voices everywhere. Even, Even outside. outside? Yeah. Wow. That's how you never uh, get anything done. A Japanese scribe wrote that their clothes were filthy and stank of stale sweat, while their appearance was unshaven and cause to concern. All right. Okay. Bushy? 
All yeah, right, Bushy Boys. Is, this is bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. These What's guys, are just, they're just sailing. These are sailors. Yeah. It's not Portuguese. like they're going. It's not like they're just showing up in the middle of Lisbon and going. You're all dirty. Like <laughs> these people have just walked. <laughs> they just walked on the ocean for miles and miles and miles. And they show up and the, and the first thing they do is go. You guys are fucking dirty. Use some chopsticks. <laughs> yeah. Well, even if they went to Lisbon, they'd still get fucking hand chicken eaters. That's Look fine. Their king. Yeah, it's fine. All I'm saying is it seems a little discriminatory to go, these guys smell. They've been traveling. Let them put their bags down. Rest their weary heads. Don't start judging them right off the bat. What if you hose them off and they smell? Still. Okay, then we're, okay this is fun. Uh, Travis, continue while we stew in this one. Quite literally. So Pinto was actually very lucky because... As we will see, I'm mainly going to talk about this in the second episode, but the Japanese have very harsh punishments to anyone that walks on their lawn. Uh, most foreigners are just, there's, there's many different ways of putting them down or getting rid of them. But for whatever reason, Pinto and his men were uh, able to go to the Lord of Bungo. They found out his name was, was uh, Otomo Yoshikata, uh, and he was a feudal, uh, he was a feudal lord. Uh, they had a ah, the best type of lord. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Otamo was probably like, yo, you boys are stinky. Get out of here. And then Pinto pulls out some muskets and aquabuses. And he's like, hey, uh, Otamo's like, oh, wait a minute. You can stay for a little bit. Yeah. Because they didn't have muskets. And they're like, oh, these things are fucking sweet. <laughs> Come on over for dinner. We'll eat outside tonight. We usually don't, but. We'll make an exception for your stinky ass. Yeah, and Pinto's like, yeah, you. oh, this thing? Our king has two million gunners at his disposal. We use these things all the time. This is how we eat our chicken. You keep yelling at me about using my hands. We just shoot the musket, and the chicken bits fly in our mouth. Arbalest. Mm. You said a different word that confused and fried my brain for, like, the last minute. What did I Sorry. say? You said like Aqua Last or Aqua Fresh or something. They yeah, said Aqua Bus, and oh, I honestly that, didn't say anything because I don't know that anything. That hurt my that like <laughs> paralyzed my brain stem. That I was just like he was trying to say the word. What was the word? Arbalest. That that, <laughs> that took that, me like. I want to know how long that that like paralysis lasted. It, I was down for a while. It auto. Yeah. I must have auto corrected it to Aqua Bus because I put like a space in it. <laughs> That's fine. I was like, Aquabus. And I was like, I'm not questioning what I wrote because I'm smart. Don't. I'll do it. Never question what you write or what is written for that matter. So the this king of Bungo, Tamo, is like, maybe we can do a little trade. You're stinky. I don't like you. Um, but maybe we can do a little trade. And Otam- <laughs> Otamo's son, this guy named Yoshishiga, uh, he was super interested in these little shooty boys. He's like, I gotta check these boys out. I, it shoots big, loud noises and lit. So Yoshi was like, I don't think Pinto is going to let me try the guns. Like, he's he's not going to trust me with it. So Yoshi decides to sneak into Pinto's room and steal the gun. Just so he can give it a test run, you know? Okay. Pew, pew. Good. Now, I own a muzzle-loading musket. Tom, you... Fired it. It's a brown bess. Um, if you've ever, you've probably all seen a movie where you have to load those boys, right? You have to put some measured powder down the barrel, 
Then you have to put the lead ball in, some mm-hmm. wadding with paper, and then use the ramrod to pack it down. Pack that load. Get right. it sexual. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a task. Okay. It's a task. It's, a it's task. always a task. Now, the thing about a musket is it's essentially a pipe bomb. If you don't load it right, if you don't pack everything down tight, that space in between the bullet and the wadding and the gunpowder will just make a pipe bomb. You're well, just- I'm actually really uh, angry at the moment because I did not know that. And uh, oh. and I watched you pack it. And uh, <laughs> it was weird right how we right. you- it was weird how we used his tongue, right, Tom? Right, it's weird. Yeah, no, de- definitely. Like, uh, you know, the same guy who wrote Aquabus just now yeah. uh, is putting a pipe bomb. I don't know anything about guns. I just know that everyone should have them. Um, so here I am shooting one in my mind like, oh, Travis could have killed me, and it wouldn't have even been his fault. Yeah, Travis, put- Travis would have whelped. I, just- I assumed the risk. I survived, but how dare you? I'm pretty mad at the moment. You know what, Tom? I th- I'm glad you just trust me. I don't even have to give you that information before I- handing you a loaded weapon. I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> but anyway, it's hard to fuck it up, but you can fuck it up. Um, <laughs> and also, it's a pipe bomb that you're holding right next to your face. Right. Right? It's not like, let me make a fun little pipe bomb and like light it off in the field. It's right next to your face. So Yoshi has no clue what he's doing. He dumps a whole bunch of gunpowder in there. Yeah, baby. He's like, oh, this is going to go so boom because I put so much of that black sand More in there. better. Yeah. He cocks it and fires it, and the gun explodes in his face, taking off his thumb and leaving a massive gash on his forehead. Okay. Awesome. So he's so alive. So here we go. Yoshi is in the palace courtyard screaming and like writhing in pain on, in the, on the ground. Everyone comes out. And by the time they arrive, Yoshi is like bleeding out, not moving. Just like. <laughs> and, Save me. Yeah. So the king is like, oh, dude, turns to Pinto. He's like, dude, you just blew up my prince. <laughs> what you going to do about that? My fucking prince. Oh, hold on. My prince. Now, as I mentioned, the Japanese are very harsh with their... They're very easy to hand out a death sentence. So if you were caught stealing in Japan, you'd get the death sentence. Right, yeah. Okay. Uh, so blowing up the prince, definitely grounds oh, for fuck. death or much worse. All right. Now, just as uh, Pinto was about to be cleaved in half by a katano... Uh, by, a kata- by a katana, or as the yeah. Portuguese call- referred them, scimitars... So I didn't bother learning. Oh, look at that. That's cool. Scimitar, yeah. that's a great name. Um, the, the king was like, all right, wait. If you guys are so technologically advanced, bring the prince back to life. Because right now, at this point, the prince isn't moving. He's just bleeding. Uh-huh. Like, maybe twitching a little bit. <clears throat> Pendo's like, uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> I guess I have to bring him back to life. Okay, he's about to wake him up inside. And yes. uh, we're going to see how this goes, I guess. Is he going to suck his dick? Close. Wow. Mm. So Yoshi, thankfully, was not dead. He was just unconscious, soon to be dead because he's hemorrhaging blood. Uh, his thumb was hanging on by a tendon, so it wasn't, like, completely blown off. Nice. So Pinto got some uh, some uh, sewing needle and stitched that shit back on. Good. Uh, <laughs> Good. He also realized... 
He also realized that if you ever got a head wound, you bleed a lot. Like, yes. I don't know if any of you guys have been hit in the head or uh, a baseball bat. One snow shovel. I put it on my resume. Yeah, Cody, you said you, I remember you telling me about the baseball bat story. I, I got yeah, I just got too close to somebody uh, taking a swing in the little leagues and uh, took the backswing to my face and got like twelve stitches. Yeah, but when you get in the head, there's blood everywhere. It's a geyser. It's a right, geyser, yeah. and I made people puke. I think. Yeah, I definitely made people puke. Travis, did you ever geyser. get hit in the head? Dude, I've been hitting the head all the time. Right. So, you know, like, I, I think, like, because you uh, people listening to this, uh, they've listened to podcasts. They know they probably listen to something about true crime. And they always mention how serial killers have been hit in the head, like they have some kind of head injury. So mm. I guess I guess us, we've been hit not hard enough. So uh, like many other podcasts out there. So if you get hit really hard, you become a serial killer. And if you get hit pretty hard, you start a podcast. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. So. Obviously, this looks terrible to to everyone because he's bleeding out. His head's all there's blood. Pinto takes a look. He realizes that the, the wound to his head wasn't that bad. So he made up. He whipped up a little salve from egg whites and patched, salve. patched some fucking egg on his head with some bandages. <laughs> it's not a salve if there's one ingredient. I don't know. It's probably egg like whites. Egg, it was probably like egg in his like ship dandruff from his like sailor hair. Oh, man. <laughs> Is this, is it, uh, yeah, like you're fixed now. I made, I made an omelet out of your head and now I can live. All Keep good. Keep rats away from it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, uh, you know, I wrote the whole Portuguese, the three guys are like, I hope this guy gets better. And eventually Yoshi did get better. It took about 20 days. And he With was the egg? As, as good as new, except he probably oh. had a wonky thumb because I almost cut my thumb off once and it does not work right. Yeah, man, you tried to look all cool while eating an apple with a knife and telling me a yeah. story, and you almost cut your thumb off. <laughs> you know what? I'll be honest. You didn't look really cool at all. Um, so was it worth it? It was totally worth it, dude. All right. <clears throat> so now with Pinto uh, there, he had made a new partnership between the Portuguese and the Japanese. Now, Marco Polo had mentioned a fuck ton of gold, which was completely not true. Japan doesn't have that much gold. But what they do have is they have a lot of silver, which Ooh. also excited the Europeans because they are basically raccoons. Shiny <laughs> things. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, but the real hot commodity in Japan, guys guess what that is? I'll pass. Hentai? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that goes that saying, Cody. The real hot commodity was... Souls yet to be saved from damnation with some good old-fashioned crazy Catholicism. Oh, boy. Well, everyone needs a hobby. We can all agree that you need a hobby. Yeah, I, I, I bought a Cutco knife once. Yeah. So um, there you go. Some people just need to go convert savages or something. I don't know. Well, the, your, the Portuguese sent plenty of their MLM Jesuits over to Japan. It was led by this dude named Francis Xavier, um, who was quick to jot down how the Shinto priests like to hike up their kimonos and fuck altar boys. But, uh, you know, let's just say the Catholic Church, as we've seen, is not too uh, unmarked well, by that as well. They always tell you to write what you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so this was the perfect time for Christian prophetizing. I think that's the word for it. 
Profilitizing? Yeah, something Prof- like that. Prof- it doesn't sound quite right. Prosthetizing. But. but anyway, it was a perfect time because, you see, Japanese during this period, was they call it the Sengoku Jadai, which means the era of civil wars. Oh, okay. Yes, I am familiar with some of this. So the country was broken up into 66 different feudal lords. Or oh, shit. Daimos? Wow. I think, I think that one's it. The Daimos. I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say yes. Um, these were constantly warring, like these different feudal lords were constantly warring against each other for power. Now, there was an emperor, but he had almost no money or power at the time. In fact, when the emperor died in, fi- in 1500... His corpse remained unburied for six weeks, rotting in the sun like a Ooh. shitty little raisin because the royal coffers didn't have enough money. And they eventually like, were able to get some money and they buried him. Wow. Like, that's how poor he was. Too little, too late. He's dried up and the gods hate him. So with all this chaos, the Christians were able to take advantage and convert tons and tons of Japanese. Xavier had converted a headcount around 500 near Nagasaki, uh, and then uh, he even converted a some of the Ronin samurai. So Ronin samurai are Ooh. just samurai that don't have a uh, master anymore. Freelance. They just kind of drift. Yeah, freelance samurai drifting around, taking whatever gig comes up. Yep. So well, this is really funny because there were this one guy in particular that he converted took the name uh, Bernardo. So we had Bernardo the samurai just roaming around Japan. Ah, oh, cool. Bernardo. That's uh, Portuguese. That's how you said. Bernardo. 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 Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Bernardo. Yeah. Yeah. So Bernardo's out there. Does that say it right? Nando's? That's Portuguese. Urinado? Okay. Uh, so Urinado is out there. So Xavier's predecessor, um, the next Jesuit to come in, converted an impressive 20,000 Japanese people to Christianity in seven months. Wow. That's a lot of churches. Those donation baskets must have been big. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Take off those hats. They're baskets now, folks. Chingu for Jesus. <laughs> Please give us your gold that you don't have. By the 1570s, word had spread that the Portuguese, in, word in Europe had spread that the Portuguese had exclusive trading rights to this rich, civilized nation of Japan. And it was only a matter of time before the other Europeans wanted in on the action. Mm-hmm. Now, England. A land with much to offer in terms of trade. We're talking about mushy food, which I really love. Yeah. We're talking about sheeps. We're talking about fish that are fried beyond the point of taste anymore, which I also enjoy. Talk about dry humor. Talk about sherry. Talk about things that um, uptight people. Yeah. So these uptight English were like, we got to go sneak in some Japanese dong, get in there. You know what I'm saying? We got to get to Japan. Okay. Now, in during the 16th century, England was far from being the big dicks of naval trade that they would become. You know, we think of uh, Rue Britannia, Britannia, roll the waves. That's not happening yet. Okay. It's right. mainly the Spanish and Portuguese. Hell, even the Dutch had more train ro- trade routes than the English. Okay, good for them. Yeah, all of these countries protected and patrolled their exclusive sea trade routes. You know, they'd just hang out in ships, and if anyone showed up, blow you out of the water. Kaboom. Mm. So uh, they had a problem here. They wanted to trade with Japan, but they couldn't take the usual route. Of uh, The usual route was going around Africa, going around the Cape of Good Hope, 
into the Indian Ocean and through the South Pacific. What a terrible trip. Yeah. What a, what a nightmare. Right? Like mm. leaving your hometown of of York or something going I'm going this way. <laughs> oh. You, oh. That's like standing in line for fun. <laughs> oh, well, British. They love that. Yeah. yeah. Queuing. Queue up. Queue, queue up. So in 1580, uh, some smooth brains named Sir George Barn and Sir Roland Hayward convinced Queen Elizabeth I that they could find a new trade route to Japan. This one would be super safe. It'd be far away from the Spanish and Portuguese. Um, and they were like, you know where they haven't gone? Let's try going over Russia. Oh, this is going to end well. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the ice is no problem. We're going to go during the summer. We're going to go during yeah. the summer. Right through Don't it. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll load up the hole with hand warmers. I'm not sure how they work, but they, they, they do it. So this voyage into the Kara Sea, which is the sea above Russia, uh, mainly, I, you call it a sea, it's mainly just ice, um, turned into a disaster. Uh, they got about halfway there where they were planning to set up a base on this like chunk of rock. Uh, before getting stuck in the ice, wriggling free, then noping the fuck out back to England. Only one of the two ships returned, um, and the queen would have been really pissed off ab about this massive fuck-up, but they were overshadowed by the return of Drake, and not the Canadian Francis oh, Drake. Oh, oh. well, good timing. Oh. Slip in the back door. Yeah. Video game thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so... Francis Drake barely circumnavigated the globe and he robbed some Spanish, but that's a whole nother story. But he shows up. He's like, look what I did. And those other guys are like, well, we we're back. We lost half of us, but nice to see you, Drake. How's your mom? Yeah. <laughs> Just because they failed the first time does not mean that they were going to give up. I mean, we're talking about the choicest hentai in the world. There's going to be a second voyage and there's a the man in the making. Our boy, William Adams. Oh, here he is. Yeah. Found him. Let's talk a little bit about our guy, our subject, finally. Good. So William, William Adams was born in 1564 in Gillingham, Gillingham Kent, England. Um, sure. we, we don't know too much about his childhood, but at the age of 12, he moved to a place called the Limehouse in London. Now, I, I, I might be overstepping in this inference, but it sounds like his childhood is, um, how would you say, bereft of hentai. Yes. Yeah. There's, it there, is there, dry. He, 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 this, this, is, this is a gentleman who's never seen a hentai in his entire childhood. Mm -mm. Okay, moving on. Thank this you guy that. used to get um, off by drawing stick figures with big boobies. Well, who didn't? Well, I'm just saying, once you learn about the Japanese art of hentai, you're never going back. Well, the problem is, like, you know, you're talking about a serious issue here. Like, kids used to get off on with, with stick figures and boobies. There was something real real sexy about that. Now, wow. internet. You, you don't need to even need to learn how to type. Siri will show you <laughs> tentacle porn before yeah. you can even write, let alone make the stick figure. Yeah, man. How many vowels are in tentacle porn just off the top of your head? Like 12? Just say it. Titical, titical, titical. Just start saying things until your baby mouth makes the proper diction. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a nice way to paint 
society 2021 just mumble screaming your fetish until like an a nearby ai is just like oh wait i can i think i got it oh did you say buy more digital meme points dogecoin purchasing yeah purchasing dogecoins confirm tiny 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 Yes, looking up B B B B B B B B W pornography casting to living room Walmart. Wow. Oh, that's that's a lot. Walmart screens everyone for everywhere. Look at big 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 beautiful babies. Oh gosh, was that an aneurysm? You okay? No, just like you know, kids talk. That's how they right. would say it. Like you know, what I'm saying that the kids are very innocent and they're learning about these terrible things much quickly, much more quickly than uh, than the stick figure. Uh, did back in the day. That's all I'm saying. Right. Yeah, so I, I hate to note t- how many bees are in BBW. Doesn't matter. B B B B big beautiful beautiful big 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 beautiful. It's like it all works, you know. <laughs> it's fine. So this hentai, yeah this this hentai-less twelve-year-old, he moves to the Lime House in London. So if you think about the Lime House, I think it's still technically a region or area of borough of London. Think of it as like the sick. Part of London, full of rats, drunk sailors, rotten, rotting cargo, kind of like the game Dishonored. If you've ever played it, just like ooh, just like gross. Probably smells really bad. I just googled Daughter. "sick part of London," um, and Google is asking if I meant "nice part of London" or "cool part of London." To which I say, "You're fucking up, Google." To which you say, "b b b b b b b b b w coin Typing that in now. Oh wow! Yeah, I typed in twelve B's and uh, and a W, and it is bringing me right to pornharbor.net. <laughs> yeah, that's the Limehouse, no, the harbor. No, yeah, the harbor. Say the, <laughs> don't say the address. Pornharbor.net for all your fine English b b b b b w needs. Get it on, boys there. and girls. Click at your own risk. We have nothing to do with it. I did not <laughs> click on the the link, just so you know. No one should click on that link, it sounds like. Unless you want to see some... All right, just continue, Travis. I could do that all night. Yeah. William landed a sweet intern gig job as a pilot, which is funny because that's what they called dudes that steered the ship, not captains. We always just call them captains, but they were called pilots. Ah. This is the, you know, in the, the water, the water ships. Water planes. Okay. So this shipwright that he's interning for is a dude named Nicholas Diggins, who apparently was a famous Ugh. shipbuilder. Oh. <clears throat> he sounds like a slur. He does. Yeah. If you spoonerism his name, it's Dickless. Yeah. I, I'm I mean, not going to say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not going to say that. But yeah, say, say what, Diggums, Nick Diggums, 10 times fast. You're going to fuck up. You're going to be a bad. <laughs> yeah, ba- you're going to get canceled. Um, so in. In 15, Let's leave that alone. Yeah, in 1588, he finished up his apprenticeship with Diggins. I had to be careful there. Uh, <laughs> this Diggins bloke, uh, and he oh, was sounds given, dirtier now. He was given command of the a ship called Richard Duffield. Duffield. That's the name of the ship, Richard Duffield. I'm gonna need you to suck my Diggins bloke with your Duffield. Uh, this is isn't it. Isn't the English language beautiful? It's abhorrent. <laughs> I mean, Thank you. you know, beauty is subjective. It's, yeah. I'm not going to say it isn't, but maybe it's clunky at times. Yeah. Oh, like oh just to give you. 12 B's and a W type of clunky. Yep. It just, gets. 
just to give you guys a little bit of perspective, which I thought was interesting, I realized this like while I was doing my research. This is the same time period as William Shakespeare's career. Oh, great. Yeah. One so of my like, favorite person to do research on, because he's not even real. Yeah. But if you think about that time period, that's when this is all happening. It's kind of crazy. Mm. Nice. So Renaissance. Yeah. So um, uh, so he's aboard this, this Richard ship, this dick ship. Uh, and it was a supply ship that was carrying ammo and supplies to now Sir Francis Drake while he fought the Spanish Armada. So the British got their butts pushed in by the Spanish. So mainly William's job was just ferrying dead or dying sailors back home. Uh, but that's how he gets his kind of sea legs, right? Mm. When that ended, Willie got himself a wife. Good old Mary him. Spelled with a Y. All right. Well, <laughs> I would marry him. I don't know. Maybe mm. that's too progressive. Is, or maybe it's regressive of a joke in yeah. 2021. I don't know. Yeah. But William had himself a mistress. Twas the sea. Oh. Ew. Ew. He liked jerking <laughs> off on fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gonna feed the koi. Yeah. For the next 10 years, he joined the London, the London Company of the Barbary Merchants. Uh, and would sail back and forth in the pirate-infested waters of North Africa. Mm. <laughs> he did have time when he was in port to knock out his wife and knock out a daughter. But knock, again, he's well, been, well, knock well, out well, his well, wife. Well. Knock, stop! Yeah, knock, What's knock going in on? his wife. Knock, break him, like her in like a catcher's mitt, like like Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah. with his penis instead of his fist, though. Yeah, Thanks I'm, for I'm the confusion. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just imagining like him like breaking his wife's back like a Kit Kat bar over his penis. Like that's how babies are made. Imagine being at sea for all that time and going home and being like, "That's not where I left my coat," and just punching the <laughs> shit out of your wife. No, I can't imagine that, Tom. It would be very rude. This guy obviously should have just stuck with the sea and jerking off on cans of tuna while he was on dry land. Right, so, all right, he's got a little daughter. She might smell like fish because she might have been birthed in a vat of tuna fish. So, it works. But, uh, for the most part, this guy's at sea, right? Then, when he was 34 years old, that's right, gentlemen, uh, we have two more, a, a year left until we can accomplish what this guy's going to accomplish. Hmm. Um, at the age of 34, opportunity of a lifetime knocks on his cellar door. Says hello, I'm here for the milk. <laughs> is, that, is that how it works? I I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> so opportunity knocks on the cellar door for some milk, and here we go. It was a chance for him to travel across the world to a place where people shoved eels into all of their holes on can't. game shows. Yeah, because that's not sex. No, that's called Japan. Oh, man. Fair enough. So Adams, is, Adams, who probably read Stinky Sailor Digest or something like that, had read all about the shitty voyage that Sir George and Sir Roland had commissioned. And he wasn't about to go throw his life away because, you know, he's got a daughter and a wife to think about. Lucky for Willie, the expedition was not being undertaken by the English, but the Dutch. Okay, two lips. Yeah, and they wanted him exclusively as a pilot for one of their five ships on the voyage. So in 1595, 
1598, William and his brother Thomas packed their bags and headed off to Rotterdam. Cool. Very cool. Huh. Now, the Dutch plan was this. Obviously, they still had the same issue with the Spanish and the Portuguese. They had to take routes that weren't around Africa. So they were like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have sailor five ships down the coast of Africa, you know, which is kind of safe. Then we're going to go across the Atlantic underneath South America and across mm. the Pacific. Sounds like a good plan, right? Nothing go wrong with that. You can't fuck no. up that way. You might run yeah. into the ice wall if you are concerned about the flat earth. But oh, yeah. besides that, you're fine. Foolproof, or as I like to call it, Mike proof. Yeah. Shout out to him. He's not here because Snow did it. Snowden. The five ships on this voyage, here are their names. It's the Hope, the Faith, the Love, the Fidelity, and the Gospel. Or in Dutch, that is the Gloop. The Gloop. And the Gloop. Keep going. How do you say B B B B B W in Dutch? Man, this is not going to be received well. This entire episode. I don't think the Netherlands are going to like us. I don't think. I don't think we're a good podcast because we are. We have made people angry, according to a man who hates Portland. Yeah, it's very true. No, Portland made that man angry. Yeah, yeah. He, none of the women are hot in Portland. None of them. None yeah, of like the office. And none of you men have spines in Portland. This is a fact. If you live in Portland, you gotta leave your spine at the door like some kind of sick drinking and driving key basket. <laughs> so Willie was the pilot of the ship, The Hope. And they officially left July 24th, 1598. Now, right off the bat, the voyage was pretty sweet. Uh, the captain, or the admiral, I guess, of the fleet, so the one in charge of all five ships, was like, dude, we got plenty of provisions for this voyage. I'm <laughs> just going to give them out to everyone. Everyone, you guys. And, like, all the crew, they're like, dude, we've never been on a voyage like this where we get this much food. It's great. Usually we get, like, a bread and, like, some water. Right. And bread. Now, like croton. Pro- problem was is that you give out all this food right off the bat, you're not gonna have food later. You're gonna have to stop at Wendy's. You got yeah. to take oh, a lot of orders. It's hard with yeah. a caravan. Yeah, you yeah, probably they- can't get Uber Eats out there. No. Let me just let me just tell you the Wendy's is very different uh, on the coast of Africa. It's very different, and we're gonna talk about that. I, I don't understand what you could mean, so I'm curious. Yes. Mm. <laughs> can't so, end but- well. By the time they hit Cape Verde, uh, they had chomped through most of their supplies, and they were like, uh, we're also going close to the equator, and you know what happens when white folk get too close to the equator in Africa? We get poo-poo-doo-doo disease. Oh. Is that right? Yeah. You want to explain what poo-poo-doo-doo disease is? Dysentery. Dysentery, yes. You get a hot load of... You get a hot load of recycled coffee. Yes. The crew was shitting their brains out. William was saved by this because he had already kind of like done some work down in Africa. So he was kind of good. But the rest of the crew had dysentery or what they called bloody flux, which I think is a way grosser. Whoa. That's (laughs) like a that's like a WWF like heel wrestler. Bloody flux. Well, uh. 
This has got this has got to be the worst thing being stuck on the ship with what like forty to hundred men or something like that, depending uh, on the, the size. The crews are around uh, uh, around ninety per ship. Ninety per ship. So that's ninety people. Let's say maybe half of those people are walking around like leaky French presses, going, "I'm dying right now. We have <sighs> to get to shore." And then you're looking over at the shore, and it's like, "Oh fuck, not there." <laughs> So they're desperate for food, and the pilots do start looking around like, dude, we got everyone shitting their pants. We got to land in Africa. We got to get some more food. We got to get these guys fixed. The Let's just get was, one giraffe. Just yeah, one giraffe. Right. We'll eat it. We'll use the skin to wipe our asses. We'll, we'll make, we'll clog it up like bears and hibernate until we're in uh, wherever the hell we're going, Japan. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned, the like these the Portuguese and the Spanish kept their trade routes very carefully protected and this was a portuguese spanish trade route along the coast of africa so all of the islands and ports on Af on african coast there were all portuguese controlled so if they were going to get food they're going to have to fight for it okay. so the admiral uh, the the admiral eyed a portuguese fort on the island of praia they're like we're going to get it we're going to get that food so they armed the crew and they stormed the fort and the portuguese fled away from the fort. Yay, the Dutch get their food, right? No, the problem was, was that the Portuguese took all their food with them. Wow. So they were standing in a fort with no food. They're they might good. be confused sometimes, but they're not total morons. <laughs> so Belly's grumbling. They get back in their ships and they continue south down the coast of Africa. Okay. Now, scurvy started to kick in. Oh, you, know, just you got people pooping their brains out, you got people turning yellow. Their teeth are falling out. It's Arnold Palmer's. Now, interestingly enough, the cure for scurvy had been discovered a few decades earlier. Um, the problem was there was this one captain, and he was like, I'm going to give all of my crew drops of lemon every day. Yeah. And it solved it. But somehow people just didn't accept that that was like the cure and then quickly just forgot about it for about 300 years. Well, wasn't there also a thing that when they realized that that was a solution, they they would um to save on space, they would squeeze all the juice into like a barrel. Mm -hmm. And but then, that was almost three hundred years later, right? But they would squeeze into the barrel, but the part that keeps away the citrus actually dies if it's not in the fruit. I mean, the, right. the scurvy dies if it's not in the fruit, so that would only last for a week. They'd bring like three months worth. And oh, then all, and the, all, all the active dead. ingredient, the, the, the enzyme, whatever it is that keeps away that shit would just die. And then they'd have this giant margarita that was <laughs> yeah, useless. Baby. It didn't taste good. It had flies in it. And they called it medicinal. And people were still dying with their jaws falling off. Yeah. So we didn't have any cure for scurvy. They didn't know about lemons and limes. So people are dying of scurvy. They tried landing at Equatorial Guinea. To get some supplies, but they were shot by natives with poison arrows, killing a few more men. Whoa. That's how I want to go, for the record. But then, the pride and joy of Africa, Cape Lopez. Every sailor loved Cape Lopez. It's the best place. Pop star? This is the fun zone of sailing. Is that um, like uh, what they showed in Pirates of the Caribbean? And I and I have to be really clear when I say that I've never seen the movie, so was it? I, so, I, it's a kids' movie, so I'm assuming it was Cape Lopez. I don't. Well, I, I mean, I vaguely remember. I think I saw a couple of them, but all that takes part in the Caribbean. We're in Africa, Tom. 
This is much more adult. This is more mature. Well, I thought they went all over the place. Pirates of the Cra- Caribbean, you know, they 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 would start in the Caribbean and then shoot all over the place. And go, I don't Yippee. know. Yippee. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, so this has really been a waste of time, and I'm sorry. It's, it's good. So every sailor loved Cape Lopez. The locals were friendly and happy to trade, and they had a world-renowned reputation. As one English adventurer put it, the women have exceedingly long breasts. No uh, bras. So some, so some of the time, they will lay, lay on the ground. They, sorry, this is old English here. <laughs> they are, they're so long that some of them will lay the same upon the ground and lie down next to them. So I think they're, what he's saying is like they could sit on the ground and their tits would touch the ground. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'll take it. That's like having one of those like industrial. Um, it's just like having, um, you know, oven mitts stapled to your chest. Is I was going to say, like, imagine like a sh- an auto shake weight, but it's like the barbell piercing that goes through the nipples. Oh, and you just turn it on and let it be like a wrecking ball <laughs> in your room for a minute. Oh, my. So Cape Lopez, the land yeah. of long yeah. boobs. Very fun. Now, here was, there was also another thing. Say if you were a sailor looking for some dong, let's just say the, uh, the black stereotype is, uh, was not a, a stereotype here. Um, there was people saying that um, some of these sailors said that even uh, that the men were even more handsome than the women and had, had great privy members. What does that mean? That uh, means dong. Big dong. Privy members. Big dong. Private members. Okay. Bits of, uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Wait, were they, were these people uh, rather progressive in that way? Oh, they were super progressive. These these uh these guys with the big dongs were known to get drunk and bang anyone who paid them. That's pretty cool. Good yeah. for them. It's a dream job. Yeah. There's two caveats here, though. Uh, first of all, most of them had VD. Uh, the dudes were said to have worms in their dick. It's really, a caveat. It's wow. just an entire no go. It's not like a warning. It's just like, oh, mind the VD. It's just. All right, Cody. But here, like, if you're a sailor in the 16th century, you're probably going to die soon. (laughs) Why don't you, you know, enjoy a little dong with a little long tits? Yeah, it's like, yeah, you got two choices there. You got a a massive penis, worms crawling out of it like Cthulhu or something. And then you got a woman whose vagina is like an ant farm um, spelling out the words help. Uh, oh, <laughs> spit take! You could jerk off, but then you'd be a fool. Okay, yeah. you're about to go overseas. You're about to die. You're gonna die. Okay, you're always gonna much. die. No, never. It's a bunch yeah, of so, Dutch people telling you how to live. So the other caveat, and as a man of European descent, this is the real catch here: the tribe hated farting. Tribesmen were very careful. This was I, a this was a quote. Uh, from the time period, <laughs> the tribe, the tribesmen were very careful not to let out a fart when anyone be by them. Man, this would be this. This is the target demographic for whoopee cushion pranks. Yeah. Yes. So mm. apparently this was a, a big cause of concern for the Dutch because they were very proud and gaseous. They would stand around farting and fart, fart, scare man. away the long titted women. A bunch of gaseous clays. How do you feel about uh, I don't know. 
Like, have you ever been in like in a living situation where someone where they're adamant, like you need to excuse yourself to the bathroom before you fart? I'm just like looking at her, like never in a over like my dead body, right? I'm not gonna get up every time I have to fart. Fuck that. No, that's a terrible way to live. Also, you know, don't fart in people's faces, but everything else is fair, yeah, yeah. fair game. I'll I'll, direct, I'll vector them away from you. Yeah, but no, I'm not getting up every time. I'm gonna fart that's in absurd. a funnel. I put a funnel in my office chair so I can smell my fart. Yeah, you got to smell it again. Yeah, I gotta make sure that I don't waste that stinky air. So these Dutch guys are having a lot of fun. They're getting their food. Um, but the Portuguese found out that they were hanging out, getting them dongs and them long tits, and they were eventually scared off by the Portuguese. They had to get in their ships and, and leave. Right. Okay. Well, they ha- they uh, were on their way anyway. Yeah, they were on their way. They were they had supplied with more food. Uh, one of the local cuisines, uh, smoked hippopotamus stew. Wow. Mm. How'd you get that? Yeah. So with bar- barrels of smoked hippopotamus stew, they headed out into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Does that keep? I don't know. Uh, it sounds like it keeps it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stew is one of those things where you got six days tops. With yeah, modern yeah. refrigerators. But I'm imagining like there's like an an overly like excited like sous chef there that doesn't understand the concept of creating a meal that keeps. So it's like, look, I added fontina and parsley on top of the stew and creme brulee it. Everyone's just looking like you've killed all of us. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well then you you gotta you gotta meet the uh intern chef who's just pouring half and half on it. Going, this is going to be awesome. All right. So the problem with transatlantic uh, travel at the time, I remember this is before steam or any of those type of things. Like, you know, not Titanic times. We're using sail. So you know how they have like the, 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 was it the, not the Gulf Stream, the, uh, yeah, is it the Gulf Stream, the the thing that uh, travels? I, I, I think it is. I'm also not a fan of the ocean, so excuse me if I'm wrong, but I believe that is the Gulf Stream, which is the circular thing that brings all the tropic air up to yeah. two places like England and Ireland uh, from down south. Right, so it's a big old circle. Um, and when you get to the center of that circle, there's not a lot of wind. It's mm-hmm. like, think about like a hurricane, everything kind of like there's the eye of the storm. Um, so once you hit the center, a lot of these ships would just stall out for weeks and you'd just be <laughs> sitting on the ocean. Uh, and there wasn't enough hippopotamus stew to go around. They, I don't know, went off or they, they couldn't eat it. So th- the crew was starving once again. Uh, God. and they had so much so that they were left to eat the leather off of their rope case. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Just chewing on some hard leather. Nom, nom, nom. Jerky. Mm-hmm. Jerky. Mm-hmm. Now, with the crew uh, dropping like fr- flies, eventually the winds pick up and they make it across. But you see, imagine how moist that ship must have been. People just emptying their bowels everywhere, uh, you know, and you've got like rain from the tropics and you've got Ooh, like yeah. the seawater. It's just like a moist, goopy ship. Simmering in the sun all day. Right. But the problem was, was now that they were leaving the tropics, they were heading towards near Arctic conditions, 
going under South America. So you imagine all that poo-poo liquid is all about to freeze. And people are going to be real cold. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Curveball. I like this. So they're heading to a place called the Strait of Magellan, which is like a little strait that's through Chile and Peru at the very tip of um, South America. Very close to Antarctica. Okay. <clears throat> Oh, I switched these two up, but I just kind of... Nah, 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 nah. yeah. Okay, so while passing through the straits, our boy Willie was dodging ice and rocks, and then all of a sudden, somebody on the ship's like, Oi! Look at them ducks with tuxedos! And they look out there, and there's a bunch of nesting penguins. Yeah. Just okay. chilling. Right, right, yeah. The script. Um, it's the guy from Men's Warehouse going, you're going to like the way my, my children taste. Yeah, it's like, what's the movie with the penguins? The uh, penguins. One? Penguins, okay. Right. So they uh, see happy, these... Happy yeet. Happy feet. So they see these nice, happy penguins, and they immediately land and go out and club 1,400 penguins. 1,400? 1,400 penguins they clubbed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... So I I I I'm assuming Peter was around at the time. Yeah, thirteen hundred and ninety nine penguins are dumb fucks. <laughs> that first one could have been a dumb fuck, but we'll we'll, we'll take him uh, off the hook. He gets a pass. So they're doing a little happy feet dance, getting fucking clubbed by all these guys. And that was probably a good night for these sailors. Their poop was a little bit firmer that night. Yeah, a little bit more full of beaks. Yep. Yeah. Ew. Now there. Now, there were stories about the local Patagonians. First of all, they s were said to be giants. They said they were about 12 feet tall. We were just talking about the big titty lady from Resident Evil. She's what? Nine feet? Nine, six. These ones are 12. Wow. Amazing. And they were wow. also man eaters. And not like in wow. a sexual way. But they, don't, they don't would kink shame them. So they would eat men. Be like, no homo. And, that, and that's how they got off? No, that's how they got off, by being less hungry. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. So mm. there were quite a few scuffles with the with these boys and the Dutch. Uh, usually it end up, ended up with the Dutch being ripped apart to shreds. Even their dead <laughs> were not left safe, as they constructed a makeshift monument at the edge of the world for some of their fallen crew, only to wake up on their ships and look out and see the Patagonians had dug up the corpses and decorated the moder mo and decorated the monument like a festive neighbor on Halloween. Oh, that stinks. You know, that's really wow. crummy. <laughs> yeah. That's like a, that, that's basically they're, they're giant raccoon people just getting into your garbage. I don't want to see this again. Not to say dead people are garbage. In fact, it's the opposite. It's like the garbage you wanted to keep intact. And here comes these greedy raccoons. With their greedy hands. Bastards. With Ugh. your thumbs. Making a charade all over your, your street. God, I hate raccoons. All right, so our boys with Willie, with Willie Adams, they make it through the straits with uh, way less mouths to feed. A lot and less hungry Patagonians chomping on their bones. Okay. Now, <laughs> now, so far, all of the ships have survived. We've got just to give you a recap, we got the Hope, 
faith, love, fidelity, and the gospel. Gospital. The gospel. <laughs> gospital. The gospel. The hot gospel. Um, dude, they were all they were all really fucked up though. There's like a little star next to that because they were like a ship, a wood ship gets waterlogged. Like you don't think about that. You're like, oh, you're on the ocean. Like of course it's waterlogged. But like they tried to seal these things, and when when wood gets waterlogged, it makes it harder to steal, uh, to um, to sail. And they were all banged up from going through the ice. Some of them had like repairs done, like they broke their keel and all this shit. They're fucked up. These five ships. I would just, I would just love to be the first guy to ever. Like it's pretty much the first IT guy to ever explain that problem to someone else. It's like, what's what's the matter with the boat? It's waterlogged. You, oh, you, you're saying. <laughs> The stuff there, and then the stuff the boat's made of. You're not really explaining where how much <laughs> what we have to do here. That's like saying like it's earth dried, but you can't yeah. do that. Well, and also the boats would like actually rot too. Like if you think yeah, about yeah, like yeah. they're going through the tropics, right? Like you get water in like the mast, and the moldy shit grows in there. They got poop all over the deck. That's got bacteria. There's a reason that down south doesn't have a lot of basements. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Shit, you, there are certain things that you don't want to be around prolonged that are being soaked. Yeah. No basements in Hawaii. Yeah, so well. these ships are all fucked, but they're all still there. We got all five going around, coming out of the Straits of Magellan at the bottom of the world uh, out of South America. Um, Willie, at some point during our trip, he switches from the, he used to be the pilot of the Hope, and now he is pilot of the Love. Um, so they're out of this strait and they're heading into the Pacific when all of a sudden they get hit by a massive storm. Yeah. Now they had a plan for this. I mean, they had maps and they were like, <laughs> all right, if we ever get separated, let's meet off the coast of Peru at this certain Island. They're like, all right. So the, all the ships during the storm get scattered and you know, everyone's going to follow the plan, right? Sure, they should. Not hope, right? Yeah, gotta gotta do the gospels. <laughs> so speaking of the gospel, the gospels, uh, the during the storm, the mast snapped and drifted all the way across the Pacific, and was eventually captured by the Spanish in the Philippines. That must have been a great trip. Wasn't the whole wow. point to avoid the Spanish? Uh, the Portuguese. Yeah. Wasn't that the whole point of going the long, stupid way? And then imagine that insult. <laughs> I mean, once your mask snaps, and this is kind of a dated thing because I don't think anyone uses it, that's like trying trying to drive your car with the club on it. Yeah, that it is, can be done. Yeah. Or you, gotta, right? you just got to break the windshield, and then your eyes kind of hurt. <laughs> um. Wait, hold on a sec. I wrote the loyalty as one of the ship, but that's not one of the ships. <laughs> Travis, <laughs> what did you do? I won't Faith, stand love. for any of this misinformation. Faith, Faith love. No, not here. Faith, hope, and love. I'm trying to figure out which one it is. Hold on. Oh, the fidelity. Okay. <clears throat> so the fidelity was in this storm, got turned around, was like, fuck this shit, and they started heading off to the Spice Islands, which is, are also in... The Pacific. It sounds um, way nicer. Yeah. They're like, dude, we're just going to go to the Spice Islands. We'll get some spice. We'll return back to Europe. Make a money. You know what I'm saying? Make yeah. Make that Dutch money. Mm -hmm. 
Free money. But they just got they got captured by the Portuguese, and its original crew was eighty six. By the time they reached um, the Spice Islands, it was down to twenty four, and all of them were executed by the Portuguese. Ooh. Oh man, really good story. Way to wrap it up. Now the faith um, said, "Fuck this whole thing." Turned around, went back through the Straits of Magellan, and headed back to the Netherlands. And surprisingly, they made it back to Rotterdam in 1600. But imagine going that far and then just saying, like, nah, let's go do the whole thing again backwards. Yeah. It's like that (sighs) game from Penn and Teller. Desert bus. Yeah. That's... uh, I I have pulled the plug on several ventures of mine. I've gone to the city and forgotten my wallet. And I have to turn back. I mean... They could have just gone back for more of that big long dong and long boobs. You don't know. Well, I mean, they if they forgot their wallet, then how you gonna pay for those worm cocks and those Yeah. Torpedo tits things. aren't free. Yeah. That's true. Mm. They're just so like a little the, little chef um one of those little things they put uh frosting on, those frosting squeezers. Just those cost bags. money. Yeah. Frosting bags. So the only two ships to meet up at this rendezvous point were it was Willie's ship, which was the love, and also the hope, which Willie's brother, Thomas, I mentioned him earlier, he was on, and he was still alive. He had survived the whole thing. It was he him did, and his brother. Him, yeah, he's on the boat. He's on the hope. He just finished painting Obama's face on the mast as hope <laughs> yeah, travels yeah, yeah. through to, to what I'm assuming is going to be a very fruitless adventure. Yeah. Well, they're back together like, all right, time to cross Pacific. We're going to Japan, boys. Gotta get that hentai. Get them po- unwrapped Woo! Pokemon cards. Gonna make money. Wrap your mind around this. This whole adventure, and they're just now getting to the biggest ocean in the world. <laughs> they yeah. just now got to it. Just now got there. So just after now. their rendezvous, they're like, shit, we don't have any food again. This is like a big problem. When you're an explorer, you just run out of food, and then you've got to find food. Mm. In in the water. Yeah, I mean, I that always kind of confused me. Like, why don't they just fish more? I don't think those places are really armed to fish. Yeah. You know, in a lot of ways. It's like, it's a, it's a tough task. Have you seen what those guys do in the Atlantic with those cranes and all that crap? Oh, wait, are you talking about up in Alaska? Well, that, like, when you're just, you know, fishing with the giant nets and all that stuff, like, you can't just throw one in and, like, throw a line in and hope that you could feed 70 scurvied people with one, like, I don't know, snapper. I need several snapper. Yeah, that is very true. Would you eat a sea robin? (laughs) Would I? Would I? I No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't Those eat them. Those are horrible. Yeah, they're terrible. You can only eat a little sliver, and they bark at you. I hear that they actually make really good stock if you're ever trying to make fish stew. I'm not. I'm not doing that. No one is. There's companies that make stock. I don't make stock here. I make toast. Yeah. So after their rendezvous, they're like, shit, we need to go get more food. And it just so happens on their map, there was an island called the Mocha Island. Which is off the coast of Chile. Okay. Now they decided, all right, we'll go there. And like I said, it's, or I said, it's, did I say I mentioned it's inhabited? No. Okay. You just did. 
On the map, it said it was inhabited. They're like, oh, dude, there's people that live on this little mocha island, this little Starbucks mocha island, and we got to go. <laughs> right now, we got to go get ourselves some mochas. So they go, and they meet the locals, and they're at first, the locals are really happy to trade, and they trade them fruit and water and, like, I don't know, monkey meat or whatever the hell grows on It's bush the meat. Islands. Okay, the term is bush meat. No. Bush meat. No. So... They're the nice people. They're like, oh, yeah, we aren't like nasty Patagonians that try to rip you apart and decorate our living rooms with your body parts. Uh, but the Dutch needed more than what more? these locals were willing to offer. So sneaky little Dutch boys were like, we're going to raid these natives. We need more food. Cool. So Willie's brother, Thomas, was part of the team that they assembled to raid the natives. But these natives were not dumb. They're like, look at these starving sailors. They're just shambling around on the beach with guns. Like, they might do something bad. <laughs> Run up and knock them over, quick. So, Willie's brother and this team head out to go raid these people, and the natives ambush them and completely slaughter all of the Dutch, killing William's oh. brother. Um, and the two ships were watching this raid happen, watching their crew members get slaughtered, and they took what little supplies they had and headed off across the Pacific. Good. We're like, fuck that. We outie. Mm hmm Now we have one last stop before we get to Japan. So the, the trip across the Pacific was a very arduous trip as well. Like you said, Tom, it's the largest ocean in the world. If you haven't heard. Yeah. Days and days at sea. Yeah. Weeks. <laughs> That's what days and days are. are it is, you know, it is, yeah. It's just a collection. Uh, yeah. Collection of days is weeks and weeks. Yes. All Good. of a sudden, the crew spots an island. It's smack dab in the middle of the ocean. This island wasn't charted. So you might call it an uncharted island. Yeah. Mm. That's what you do. <laughs> you might call it the term that we use for it. Um, the two ship ships were like, all right, do we go to this island? Because the last time, I know we, we kind of started it, but the last time we stopped on an island, we got fucked up. So obviously this was a hot topic because, again, the men were starving on the ship because, you know, right. whatever they picked up from this the mocha islands, a couple mocha frappuccinos or whatever, it didn't, wasn't going to last them across the Pacific. So it was a kind of a hot topic, but... Eight of these men aboard the ship, the Love, took the life rafts and were like, I'm going to die on this rotting ship. Like, I'd rather go risk the chances of this uncharted island being eaten alive or, I don't know, whatever. Um, later, Dugs, and they just, like, rode off. And people were like, oh, dude, these guys are going to make it. They're going to get eaten. What? It's very dynamic storytelling. Yeah, they're going to get eight. But wouldn't you know? that this uncharted island was none other than Hawaii. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Where were you, are, Cody? The, hey. the island of Hawaii. I like sandwiches. Yeah. So these fir these eight dudes were the first Howleys on the island, and this was 179 years before Captain Cook discovered it. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Howleys and Gaijin in the same episode. Good job. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually interesting because an English missionary in 1822 
was in Hawaii and he was talking to the native Hawaiians and part of their historical lore, because remember, like a lot of these island folks are very, it's like uh, oral history, right? You pass down stuff uh-huh. through, yeah. So part of their oral history mentioned a boat full of white dudes that had arrived on the island long before Captain Cook, and they were there, and they accepted them into the tribe, and these men married Hawaiian wives and became honorary chieftains. So these guys that were like, I'm not, we shouldn't go to the island, they're going to kill you and eat you. It's like, no, they just gave them wives, and Fuck now they're all. chiefs. This was one of the good islands. Yeah. Also, we didn't try to pillage them, so maybe yeah. that had something to do with <laughs> our true. chemistry. This yeah. here island gets the five stars. Yeah. <laughs> so the hope and the love continued across the Pacific, and eventually they were hit with another gale. But this time, there was no hope for the waterlogged, rotten hope. It it was hit by a wa- rogue wave, and oh. Adam said it was gone forever. Whether it sank or whether it... We don't know if it just like drifted off somewhere or... It disappeared. It's gone. It was never seen again. Bye-bye. Go bye-bye. Yeah. So the love and William Adams drifted into the Pacific. His log becomes very scarce um, as he's slowly wasting away from starvation. There were 24 men um, left on his ship of about 90, and they realized that it would only be days before all of them died. Fuck. But then... April 12th, uh, 1600, they saw a sliver of land on the horizon. It was their salvation, the land of the rising hentai. Oh, Japan. Baby. And that, my friends, is where I'm going to leave you at for this week. Travis, but my tentacle was about to become erect. Next week, there's going to be so many erect tentacles. What What do you think Japan smells like? Uh, like rice flour and um, what else do they Cher- got over there? Cherry blossom petals? Something like Cherry. that. Yeah, those are Japanese, right? I don't know. I like going to Japanese restaurants. They're fun over there. You got, they throw a shrimp at your mouth. <laughs> the boxes. Yeah. I mean, big fan I, of Japanese food. I really am. Me too. They got great food. They got great family. They got great health. And I watch a lot more anime that I lead on on the show. And when I say a lot more, is that I've seen maybe three animes. How many um, hentai's? I have. I have never actually seen one to completion. To be honest, I've completion. never seen. I've never seen a full hentai, but I have skimmed the 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 pond scum off the top of the anime ocean uh, that is hentai. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So next week we are going to get into Adams, uh, you know, William Adams entering Japan, learning about their customs, uh, and eventually becoming a samurai. Samurai! But I wanted to give you that back story about his journey and then also what's going on in Japan with these, because he's not the first European there. We've already got Portuguese hanging out, little baby Marios and Luigi's. Yeah, well. So here's a fun little anecdote about the Portuguese people. So I heard this from Gabriela's father, who is a Brazilian-born man. He said that uh, the Portuguese people tend to be too literal all the time. They don't get Mm. any um, implications and stuff. For example, if you were at a restaurant, at a Portuguese restaurant, and you sat down, and 
um, you looked at the person next to you and you liked what they were eating. And you said to your waiter, I'll have that. The waiter would probably respond with, well, that's his. You can't have it. <laughs> I like that. Tom, we are going to have a very good example of that with a Jesuit Portuguese man trying to literally taking walking on water. And we'll see what happens with that. It's tricky. <laughs> it's tricky no. it That's tricky how you one. say it. That's how you say it. <laughs> oh, my God. In Portuguese with the Portuguese accent is, I am out there. All right, boys. It's fun. Travis, thank you so much. This yeah, is good. Yeah, I like yeah, this yeah. warmed up, you know, a little bit shorter session, a little more on the ball. We're having fun, right? Yeah. 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 Guys. And I say guys to everyone listening. You know, that includes yeah. all you gals, too. All you lovely folks. Thanks mm-hmm. for listening to this. Um, yeah. Rose Mortem is here for you. We don't fuck around. And by that, uh-huh. uh, that's a lie. But we do care for you. Now, don't you ever fuck around. Now, don't you ever fuck around. Right. That's that's our theme song. That's well, what we wake up to every morning. It's my alarm clock. Mm-hmm. Let's take a huddle on that before we lock it in. But Well, that's true. All right. So either way, you can go to, uh, what is it, roastmortemcast.com, correct? Yeah. Okay, yes. Um, the I think all the Twitter links are broken, but wherever oh, yeah. they may awesome. take you, follow those people. I'm just saying, it's got a link to the two most important things. The store, <laughs> where you get custom shirts, and it also takes you to our Patreon, which is the most important. <laughs> Patreon.com, yes. We we will never shy Good. away from admitting that we want your money. Do we Give deserve it. your money? Yes. Are we going to get it? That's up to you. Ooh. Yeah. Cliffhanger. I like it. We could trade in Dogecoins, too. Yep. We're setting it up. Send it to my hot wallet, as some say. <laughs> On the internet, Ooh, uh, I don't like that. Guys, any parting words for uh, the show here, Cody? Nah. Oh, I was just Thanks. gonna say, stick around next week because when we see the samurai, the rise of the samurai, kind of reminds me of when Optimus Prime hung out with Scooby Doo, and they both showed each other wieners and they compared sides. Like Zoinks, man. And then He Man showed up and he's like, "Guess what? I'm a man." That's what the 80s are. Yeah, this show isn't about the 80s. See ya! Bye. Bye! Dankard. Dank it. Dank nabbit. Dank it.